We're just looking at a few events that uh, are leading up to, uh, to Easter. Today we, uh, we look at a chapter that uh, is one of your favorites and one of mine. Jesus here is painting a vision of the future for his disciples. Uh, this is uh, almost his uh, last address to them. And you know, last things are, are sometimes uh, really significant, and of course, uh, this is here. In John chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Bible scholars tell us there are several ways in which we look at this particular verse, either as a simple statement of fact or, or an imperative. And uh, most of them uh, lean in the direction of an imperative. Jesus looked into the heart of his disciples and said, listen, you, you believe in God now, and I want you to believe in me also. Uh, there are times in our life that uh, the Lord tries to get us to get our eyes off of our circumstances and put them on him. And right here was one of those times. These people were being overcome with the tremendous dilemma of, uh, of losing uh, their leader. And he says, now... Take your eyes off of the situation. You believe in God. Believe in me. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Universally, this is believed to be one of the um, uh, prophecies right here of the rapture of the church. Uh, even though this event hasn't taken place, the Lord always wanted his people to live in the light of the second coming of Christ. I'll always be waking up day by day, month by month, year by year, thinking, well, maybe this is the day that Jesus will return. He said, I'm coming again. And says, when I do, I'm going to take you to be with me, and we're going to be there forever. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, being the person that he, that he is in the, in the Bible, had an issue with this. He said unto him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? But you know, there's a, there's a, a real twinge here of sincerity. Because there are people all over that you and I bump into every week, and they just don't know the way. They really don't. We have... Uh, we have some workers up here doing some work in the church, as you see, when you come in each Sunday. And uh, one of the guys, are, actually, we're, we're trying to give the word to these fellows. Uh, one of the fellows, uh, I, I guess he's 50 years old, he says, he says, nobody has ever explained to me what the church is about. And I want you to get that. Nobody has ever explained to me what the church is about. He's on the job all over the place. He meets hundreds of people. Well, we're explaining to him what the church is about. Um, and he doesn't know the way. And so Jesus said to him, and this is a, this is a classic, isn't it? I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Let's say it together, okay? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I've underlined that in my Bible because that's just another incident in the book of John that uh, substantiates what we believe that Jesus is uh, divine. Jesus is God. He said, if you've, seen the, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Isn't that interesting? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. Just think of that. The Father who dwells in me uh, does the works. Believe me, and I, I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the works, the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works. What does that mean? Uh, that doesn't mean greater works in, uh, in superiority. It uh, means greater works numerically. Whenever Peter preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost, more people were saved on that single day than through the ministry of our Lord on earth. Uh, this is referring to a victorious church going out into the world doing the work of Christ. He says, listen, you just had a little snapshot of my ministry one of these days, much greater things than these are going to be done around the world. And these he will do because I go to my Father. And he says, the reason why you're going to do greater works is because I'm leaving you. I'm going to go away. And he says, he says you're going to institute the power of prayer in your life. This is big right here. Look at it. These two verses I quote almost every day in prayer and other ways. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When we pray to the Lord, the Lord wants us to pray prayers that bring glory to God. Uh, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And that's predicated on whether that our requests are in the will of God. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. He said, when I go away, you're going to become people of prayer. And you're going to pray in my name. And when, I, when you ask something in my name, I'm going to give it to you. Of course, if it's in my will. And then he says, I'm going to pray. And here uh, they say to us that Jesus is beginning his intercessory work, his high priestly work. And he says, I'm going to pray to the Father and he's going to give you another helper. In the Greek language, there are two words for another. Allos is one. It means another of the same kind. Heteros is is another word, it means another of a different kind. This word is alos, it means another of a same kind. The helper is the Greek word perikletos. It means um, to call beside, a helper. Some of your Bibles translate it counselor, comforter. Um, I, like the, I like the word helper. Because in life we need help, don't we? And uh, the Lord says, listen, when I go away, I'm praying to the Father that he's going to send you a helper in life. And he's going to come right alongside of you. And uh, he's going to help you the rest of your days. He's going to be there for you. And he will abide with you for how long? Forever. He's called the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you and he will be in you. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans.
I will come to you. Jesus here, first of all, talks about a future place for his people, a prepared place. Uh, these people were finding out that, um, that the world was not their home. Uh, they, uh, they were not getting a good response from people in the world. You know, God's people have always been strangers and pilgrims in the world. We've tried to fit in, but, but most of the time we don't do a very good job of it. Uh, we think the world is going in another direction. It is. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 17 in his, in his prayer to his father, he says, my children are in the world, but they are not what? Of the world. Now, we know that. We, we have to get out here and wrestle in this world, right? But I'll tell you what, we just don't fit. And that's the way it's designed to be. God has created you for another world. You're only here on a temporary basis. Uh, now, this is uh, a prepared place. He says, listen, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And why did he say that? Uh, he said that because these people are asking themselves, what's going to happen to us when you're gone? Can you imagine the trauma of this? Here, these people had walked with Jesus for these, uh, for these few period of years, and they had been so close to him, and all of a sudden he says he's leaving. And what, what's their natural reaction? Well, what's going to happen to us? He said, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going away uh, to my father's house. Uh, and that's heaven. You know, heaven is, uh, there are numbers of terms in the Bible used for heaven. One is Abraham's bosom, one is heaven, of course. And uh, Jesus said to the thief on the cross today, I'll, you'll be with me where? In paradise, right? And so Jesus is going back to his father, and, and that's why he uses the term here. In John chapter 17, he prays to the father. These people at this particular time were meeting in a borrowed upper room. Uh, there was a lot of hospitality, I understand, in Jerusalem, which you just came back from. Uh, during the festivals, they would open their homes and people would stay with them. And here, the disciples were staying in an upper room. Somebody opened the upper room to them, said, listen, it's not yours, but you can borrow it. Whenever Jesus was doing his ministry on earth, he, um, uh, he asked people to follow him. But when he asked people to follow him, he said, listen, uh, you're not going to get a lot out of this. Luke 9.58 says, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so Jesus too, listen, Jesus too is looking forward to going back to heaven. You know that? He really is. Read chapter 17 carefully. He's, he's like excited to go back to heaven. You would be too if you came from heaven to here, right? And so he's excited and he says, listen, in my father's house are many mansions. Uh, now he was going away and uh, instead of them encouraging him because he was going to be killed, he was encouraging them. And he says, uh, I'm going to be uh, making something for you. Remember, Peter and John were sent out ahead to prepare the Passover, and now Jesus is going to be sent out ahead to prepare your heavenly home. Hebrews 6.20, we have that verse. Let's read it. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This verse says that Jesus is our forerunner. He's entered into heaven before us. And here in John 14, he's preparing a place for us in heaven. 
The Bible says, in my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. Actually, the, the, the original word there means to remain, to abide. Many abiding places in heaven. We don't know what they are, um, and we don't know what they look like, but I'll tell you one thing, we know they're going to be stupendous. Because when God makes something, he really does a good job, doesn't he? He does an excellent job. Uh, you know, we feel like we're a minority in the world today. Do you feel that way? When you go to work, do you feel overwhelmed with, with uh, your minority position? Sure. But one of these days when the, when the final count is in, you know, we're not going to be in much of a minority in heaven. Revelation 7-9 is a, a verse. Let's read this. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. Now next Sunday is Palm Sunday, you know that? And we're going to have everybody a palm branch and I, we ought to get in here and start waving them, don't you think? We ought to do something. I like those teenagers. You know, that's why we have all those teenagers away from our church over there. They can, they can do their thing. But we'll be able to bring them in with palm branches to alive, enliven us, right? But here the Bible says in heaven there's going to be a great multitude which no one can number. Maybe it's going to be this way, all these people in heaven praising the Lord with their palm branches, and somebody says, hey, how big do you think the crowd is? And uh, let's get some of our best statisticians. And they'll say, listen, this is way out of my league. Um, in heaven, that's, that's what it's going to look like right there. People from all nations, tribes, tongues. These are the true believers uh, who place their faith in Jesus Christ, followers of him. Uh, there's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. It's called God's house. What a prospect. Think of all the people of Haiti and Ecuador and the Philippines and places like that that don't really have a house. And uh, when they arrive in heaven, I'll tell you, they're going to have a mansion. They're going to have a mansion. And so what Jesus is telling his disciples is this, is heaven is our goal. And what he's saying to his disciples is this, keep your eyes on the goal. Isn't that good? Because in this world, you know, we're, we get looking this way, don't we? Horizontally. And all the stuff that comes at us, and I know all of us are depressed now because of the condition of our country, aren't we? We are depressed. And we look at that and we think, it just takes our breath away. Uh, and, and listen, these people were depressed because Jesus was leaving them. And Jesus says, listen, keep your eyes on the goal. The goal is not this way. The goal is this way. We've had a number of people in our church recently pass away. And, and, uh, and you know, it's hard for us to let go of those people. I think of Edna Engel. Edna, Edna was here 40 years ago when I showed up on the scene and 
she welcomed me here, and now she's having a good day in heaven. She put up a lot with me over 40 years, you know that? I think God has like two mansions for her. He says, oh, you're a part of that flock, a special place for you guys over here. But, you know, it's hard to lose people like that. But, you know, and every time we hear of somebody in our church passing away, you know, the first thought that always comes into my mind is this thought. This is why we do this work. You know, this is why our, our people up here on the platform this morning do this work. Our goal is not here. Our goal is there. That's the goal. And Jesus telling his disciples, set your eyes on the goal. Now, in order for that to, to come to fruition, for a person to enjoy this prepared place, they have to be, of course, a prepared person. Not everybody goes to heaven. You know that? Uh, Thomas said, listen, how do we get there? You know, if you have a goal, you need a route to get there. And Jesus said, listen, you're looking at the route right here. John 14, 6. I love this. I am the way. Uh, I only lead the right way. I'm the truth. I cannot lie. I'm the life, eternal life. No one comes to the Father except through, through me. I am the only way. I know that we hear people all the time, and, and this has been around forever, who, who say there are many ways to God, and everybody's taken their own way. Well, we believe that there is only one God and that there is only one way to that God. And that one way is through his son, Jesus. And, that's, and people will say, you know, I really don't believe Jesus at that particular, but he was a good teacher. You know, if Jesus was a good teacher and he was wrong on this point, he's not a good teacher. He's not a good teacher. Well, there are many people trying all sorts of spurious, uh, false ways to get to heaven. And I guess in our culture, in our western Pennsylvania area, uh, if you were to ask uh, people, how, how do you propose to get to heaven? I guess the, 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 the thing that would uh, be most pronounced is people would say, well, you know, I'm not a bad person. Or I'm a pretty good person. And somehow, through the course of religiosity, uh, there has been propounded this idea that you can build up points with God. Uh, but I'm here to tell you today that God doesn't have a point system. And, and your life is not long enough and your life is not good enough to build up enough points to go to heaven because God doesn't have a system like that. Uh, and the Bible is packed full of information telling us that. Titus 3.5, we have that. Let's, let's look at that. Let's read it. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Amen. Well, that's pretty blunt, isn't it? Nothing that you can present to God of your achievements can, uh, can earn you a ticket to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 uh, is the classic which I, which I love. Let's read this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Boy, isn't that a 
great passage. The Bible says here, it's not by works lest anyone should boast. You know, if you could get to heaven by your good works, we'd spend all of heaven just telling everybody how we got there. But you know what we're going to do in heaven? We're going to be spending all of our time telling people how we got there. And how we, get, how we get there is solely, completely through the grace and blessing of the Lord in our life. The free gift of eternal life. You can't earn salvation. God doesn't have a point system. But he says, after you do come to Christ, he said, I have made you and created you for good works. After a person is saved, they want to do good works, right? Boy, I'll tell you when, you, when you get a dose of the Lord in your heart, you just say, hey, put me to work, man. I don't care what you do. Here's my hands. Here's my heart. Listen, I just want to do something that contributes to the work of Christ. Uh, Not works in order to be saved, but works because we are saved. That's the kind of works that God has created us for. Um, Isaiah 59, 2. We have that. Let's read it. But there is a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God because of your sin. He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Boy, this is a message, isn't it, for, all, for everybody? How many sins uh, keeps a person out of heaven? I think one. I think one. I told somebody one time, you know, I... I uh, I did a little math one time, and I figured if you just committed three sins a day uh, for a year, that's a thousand sins on your account. You'd be the best person in town, by the way, because I usually do that before I get out of bed. You know, I mean, I, I'm mad. I'm mad before my before I hit the floor. I'm mad about something. And so, uh, sin separates us from a holy God. And sin has to be paid for. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross, so that we wouldn't have to pay for them. Uh, Many people are depending on the church to get them to heaven. And I was just thinking about how futile that is. My goodness. We can't even keep the email loop up to date. How can we get you to heaven? You know, I mean, holy cow. You got to depend on anybody's church. I tell people all the time when they say, this didn't go right in the church, I always say, well, you know, Murphy's Law works best in the church. You know that? You know what that is, Murphy's Law? Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. The church was never designed to take anybody to heaven. It was designed to point people to Jesus, right? But there are many people, I think, that have a false hope in the church. Uh, there are people who, I, I was flipping through the channels the other day. Yeah, I have so many channels now, I can't find anything worth watching. Is, isn't it incredible? I just got this new package of corruption. Because I want to see this film, Pacific. You know, the, I won't even tell you on what it is. And so they give you all these other channels, and I thought that'll be really nice. There's the military channel, and I like that because that's shooting up things. And uh, there's these other things, and so it has a few good. And I'm thinking, I'm going. I went through all those channels, but I just drive my wife completely insane. And you know what? I always end up on is Andy Griffith. 
even with the new channels, that's where I end up, or the Hallmark channel. There's just nothing to watch, is there? Uh, people, people everywhere uh, are depending on baptism to get them to heaven. Their infant baptism. Please don't do that. Uh, baptism has a purpose, and in the second service, we're going to baptize a fellow. Uh, baptism is to sh- to show your faith. It's for adults or people who understand the plan of salvation, receiving Jesus. Uh, when do we go to heaven? Oh, well, at death. Second Corinthians five eight says, "To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord." Luke sixteen twenty two. Come on, Ben. Luke sixteen twenty two. Uh, says this, let's read it. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angel to Abraham's bosom and the rich man also died and was buried. Uh, the beggar died. He, was, he had an angelic escort to Abraham's bosom, that's heaven. Um, and so if the Lord doesn't come back in the rapture, that's the way we're going right there. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8 And then, uh, and then if, if the, we don't die, we're going to go up in the rapture, aren't we? Boy, the Bible's specific about the rapture. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4. And so Jesus is trying to shore up the faith of his disciples. And he says, listen, you know, this is always amazing to me. In John 16.7, he says, it's for your best interest that I go away. It's better for you that I go away. How could you sell your disciples on that one? Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Uh, I'm going to, and the Holy Spirit is, uh, is me in person. One called alongside to help. You know, when a person accepts Jesus as their Savior, they'll never be alone again because they have God with them always. Uh, I remember the day that I received Christ as my Savior. The Holy Spirit came into my heart. I've never been alone since that day. He's always been with me. To convict me or comfort me, that's his ministry. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict, com, convict the comforted and comfort the convicted, afflicted. Uh, he's convicting me or he's comforting me. He tells me, listen, don't do that, don't do, stop doing that. You can't act like that. You can't have that attitude. And I say, oh, can I just have it one more time? (laughs) No, he says, you've got to have a new attitude. Uh, Or he comforts me. Uh, He says, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come. There's going to be a new spiritual presence in your life. And so here the Lord is encouraging them and he's encouraging us. Uh, I want to encourage you today, keep your eye on the goal. Keep your eye on the goal. And uh, cherish the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Cherish it. Uh, Because he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he'll be with you forever. How close can you be to God? You can't get any closer to God when you're saved. Because God comes to you. And he abides inside of you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, I wonder if you're here today and uh, maybe you've never experienced personally 
the Holy Spirit in your life, uh, I want to uh, encourage you to invite him into your heart. We used to sing this little song, Into My Heart, Into My Heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Do you remember that? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love, and we pray now that as we uh, conclude our service uh, with this song, we pray that you will move in among us, Lord. If we need to come and pray here at the altar, we pray that you'll help us, uh, give us uh, freedom and liberty to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.